Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. We are continuing our series, week two of the life of David. Uh, King David, or right now we have not yet gotten to actual King David. He was just anointed last week. Uh, but David is one of the heroes in Scripture. He is one of the, the greatest men of God in uh, the whole Old Testament. And actually, the New Testament calls him a man after God's own heart. That he was uh, this incredible man who was a prophet, who was a songwriter, he was a king, he was a warrior. He pretty much did it all. And so we're looking at his life and seeing how we could be uh, men and women after God's own heart through good seasons and through bad seasons. Last week we were uh, introduced to David. Uh, Remember he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, but his family left him out of the dinner party. Do you guys remember that? Uh, They had this super important dinner. The prophet Samuel was coming to town. His dad, Jesse, is like, no way. Tell all the boys except David. We're going to kill the calf and we're going to wear our nice clothes. And and Samuel's looking for a king and he's like, where's your other son? And Jesse's like, oh, I didn't think he'd want to see that scrawny little guy. He's out with the sheep. And uh, we, we saw that God looks at people differently. God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he looks inward at the heart. So now we're going to be at 1 Samuel 17, probably the most famous passage of Scripture in uh, in all of Scripture. Probably one of the famous, most famous stories in the history of stories. Uh, We're looking at the story of David and Goliath. Has anyone heard this story before? David and Goliath. Okay, before we get to uh, what I'm going to read, let's just kind of catch up to where we're going to be. The Israelites, or God's chosen people are at war with the the Philistine people. Now, the Philistines are a terribly brutal and violent people that borders Israel, and they are trying to take the Israelites captive. So they're at this uh, valley, and they're about to have battle. But at this time, they did battle different. So don't picture a battle like a, an army, uh, like Chronicles of Narnia, that's like running through, and it's like, for Aslan and for Narnia, and they're like running at each other, and people are just getting like smoked off their horses, and like all that. It's not that type of battle. So the Philistines and the Israelites, they do it different. They're like 1v1 kind of dual type battle, like the Wild West. And the Philistines, they looked around at their army. They chose the biggest and the baddest and the most violent and the cruelest and the strongest and the most well-trained champion of their army. And they've got Goliath. And they're like, Goliath's a beast. And they send him out. Goliath is nine feet tall, wearing 200 pounds of brass and iron uh, armor. He's got a sword that is just like ungodly large. They send him out there, and Israel is called to do the same thing. Send out your champion. We want to battle, like one verse, like let's do this thing. And for 40 days, the Israelites are standing on their mountain, like nervous as all could be. Like, I don't know who we should send. Everyone's like, do you want to go? Like, whoa, whoa, why are you looking at, you looking at me? Like, send Zeal. You know what I mean? And, uh. And so for 40 days, they're, they're nervous. Now, like the story we read last week, David was excluded. 
All of David's brothers were sent to the army and to the military to fight the Philistines, but David was sent back to where he was last week, and he was in the pastures with his sheep. Now, at one point, his dad, Jesse, says, Hey, David, uh, some of the boys are hungry. Do you think you could take them uh, an assortment of cheese uh, to the battlefield? David's like, absolutely, I'd love to do that. So he makes the journey and he gets to the battlefield. And he is seeing the Israelites, the people of God, shaking in their Navy SEAL leather boots, mega mind reference. And they are nervous to fight the Philistines while Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, is standing in the valley mocking God, mocking the people of God. Mocking the, the king of the nation, Saul. And, and, and David walks on the scene and he is confused. Now, bear with me. I'm going to read quite a bit. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. It's going to be on the screen or find it in your Bible. I'm reading out of the New International Version if you care to know. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Everyone's nervous and freaked out. David walks up to the king and says... Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and let the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed uh, David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of ar armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fast fastened on uh, the sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but he was not used to it. I cannot go like this, uh, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his own staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag uh, with his sling in his hand and approached the Philistines. Meanwhile, the Philistines, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked uh, David over and saw that he was a, a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Goliath said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defile. This day uh, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and chop off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Come on, David. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord. Everyone say, the battle is the Lord's. 
and he will give you into my hand. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, he took out a stone, he slung it, and he struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistines and killed them. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheaf. After he killed him, he chopped off his head with his own sword. When, when the Philistines saw that uh, their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Lord God, I pray that you'd speak to us right now. Lord, I pray that you would bless the, the teaching of your word this evening, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us louder than my voice coming through the microphone. Lord, you'd speak to our hearts so we'd know how to walk with you closer. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! Sorry, that's a marathon. So, you guys got the story. David is a little guy. He walks up to the big guy, kills the big guy. No one expects it. It's incredible. Best story ever told. And if, if you look at other stories, every other story kind of rips off the story of David and Goliath. You know what I mean? Like Star Wars, it's just David and Goliath. Um, Lord of the Rings, it's just David and Goliath. Cinderella, it's just David and Goliath. Um, the Sword and the Stone, it's just David and Goliath. Shrek, just David and Goliath. Every story basically ever told is just David and Goliath. It's the unexpected hero who is able to conquer something that you wouldn't expect him to conquer. It's the, the little guy beating the big guy. It's the ragtag team taking down the corporate monster. It, it's, I was just having a conversation with a guy today. He's like, hey, you're a Dodger fan, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I don't like you or the Dodgers because I like the Rays because, you know, the Rays uh, lost in the World Series and they were like David and the Dodgers were like Goliath. And I was like, whatever. And, and, and we, we love the story of David and Goliath. We like the story of the little guy beating the big guy because we all hope that that's us. You know, I don't think any of us sees ourselves as Goliath in any situation, but we want to be the little guy that takes down the big guy. We want to be the unexpected hero. We want to be the person, you know, like every rapper is like, I came from nothing. It's like, dude, didn't you live in the suburbs? And it's like, like everybody wants the little guy to beat the big guy. It's, it's the best story ever told. And so we're looking at this story, and it's, it's pretty incredible. David, he's this young shepherd boy who, who was forgotten about by his dad. And he goes to bring his brother some cheese, and, and he sees what's going on, and he sees everybody scared and worried. And he walks boldly and, and says to the king, he says, who do you want to use? Who's going to go out there? Saul's like, oh. And David's like, well, don't, don't let your heart be troubled by this Philistine. Your servant will go out there. David looks at the king. He says, your servant will go out there. We see David as, as this hero. And he's a hero not because he is strong and mighty, but he's a hero because of his faith. 
We as, as Christians, we are called to a similar situation as David to be strong and courageous, not in ourself, but in our faith. We learn from this story that a champion of faith looks like a servant to all. A champion of faith looks like a servant to all. This is the best story ever told because it's an illustration of the story of God. God is, is using the unlikely heroes to do his work. He used David, a shepherd boy. He used Moses to be the oracles of God who had a speech impediment. He used a, a baby in a manger to be the king over all of creation. And he uses people like you and me who are unqualified, but by the spirit of God we can be used in miraculous ways. And we see that David is a hero of faith. And I too want to be a hero like David. That is confident. That can walk into the battlefield facing enemies and facing difficulties. And facing people that are blaspheming God. And doing things against God. And confidently not be moved. But being able to overtake them. Not by my own strength but by the strength of God. So we're going to look at some qualities in David that we could uh, maybe mimic or the Bible calls us to imitate things and to imitate David so that we too could be champions of faith and servants to others. The first thing that I want to look at, this idea, is that faith is formed in the pasture and displayed in the valley. Faith is formed in the pasture and displayed in the valley. David, when he walks up to Saul, he says, he says, I'm going to go out. And Saul's like, whoa, buddy, you're just a little kid. This guy, he's been training his whole life for this moment, and you're just, you're just a young boy. And David says, well, you know what, man? I imagine David being, like, not angsty at all and just, like, pretty smooth talking. But I'd like to imagine, like, hey, well, you listen here, buddy. Um, <laughs> like, when I was out with my father's sheep, when I was in the pastures of my father's sheep and a lion came up, God delivered me. When I was in the pastures and a, and a bear came up, God delivered me. So I believe that just like how God delivered me in the pastures, God is going to deliver me in the valley when I face this giant. David's faith was being built when he was in the pastures. His faith wasn't being built when he walked in, into the valley because he already had great faith. I think sometimes we wait in our lives to go through incredibly difficult situations and expect there to be miraculous faith in us like we've never seen before. And then we go through hard times and, and we're like, where's my faith? Like I expected, like when my life got really hard, I expected myself to just be really strong and really faithful and like really to cling to God even though I've never done it before. And let me tell you this, faith is formed in the pasture. Faith is formed when your life is easier. <laughs> I don't think it's ever easy. I mean, David was still faith, facing lions and bears. But I, I imagine, I don't know, maybe it's harder. Who knows? But in, in, in the, the pasture where things are easier... That's where we, we, we build our faith. The Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing, 
hearing the word of God. Our faith is built in the easier times as we are clinging to God's word. When when we face difficulties in life, oftentimes it only shows us more of who we already are. If we're a person of, of little faith now when it's easy, chances are it'll only expose our little faith when it's hard. Jesus, he took his disciples out on a boat. They were with Jesus. They, they did miracles with Jesus. They're out of, on a boat and a storm comes and they're losing their minds. They think the, storm, the, the ocean is haunted. And they think a ghost is coming out to come and kill them or something. They're freaking out. They're like, oh, gosh. And, and Jesus, he calms the storms and he says, oh, you of little faith. Our difficult situations only shines the light on on our faith. We need to take the time in the pasture when life is easier to build our faith. So when difficulty comes, when the wind comes, when, when the hard times come, when the giants come, we can stand confidently against them. Jesus says that when you are faithful with little things, you'll be faithful with much. I encourage you today to be faithful wherever you are right now. Make time in your daily routine to spend time with God, to look at his word. Spend time like, to pray, to like, actually pray, to stop what you're doing, to stop what you're thinking about, and say, dear God, and start talking to him. Ask that he would not only help you with your situations, but he would also make you more like him. Like, Lord, would you just change me from the inside? Like, take this time now when your life is easier to invest in your faith so that when life is hard, you have a firm foundation to stand on. David wasn't underprepared for the battle because he didn't have the right weapons. He was prepared because he had invested in his faith. When the difficulty came, he was able to stand on the foundation of faith in God. The second point or idea that I want to pull from David is this. Identity is found in who you are not who people say you are. Identity is found in who you are, not in who people say you are. David, like I mentioned uh, last week, his his father left him out of the family dinner. Just like, ah, David, he's like the run of the litter. Surely he won't be the king. He's kind of dorky anyways. And I don't even think he has armpit hair yet. Um, so he can't come, obviously. My, one of my other sons, he's got a full-blown beard. Look at this guy. He looks like a king. But also, when he showed up with his uh, assortment of cheeses, you know, his little charcuterie board for his brothers, he, he sees that Israel, they're freaking out. They're scared to death. And, and he walks up to his brother. He's like, hey, uh, Eliab, what's going on here, man? And look what his brother says to him. He says, when Eliab... David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle, you sicko. And David responds, he says, Now what What the heck have I done? Can't I even like, get a word in around here? David, he's fully ridiculed and made fun of. He says, you, you, are, you, you, are a, you came to watch the battle, you like, 
weird. Like, he's just not liked by his brother. He's left out by his father. And, and later on, after he, he kills uh, the king, Saul leans over to his assistant. And he's like, hey, who is this guy? This guy's awesome. And his assistant's like, I have no idea. I don't even, I have no clue who this guy is. And Saul's like, who's his dad? I bet his dad's awesome. The guy's like, I have no idea who his dad is. Well, after the story that we looked at last week, when, when uh, David was anointed the king, and we're told that Saul had a distressing spirit upon him. He was feeling really icky inside. And, and the reason for that being is Saul was like, like really messing up. He was supposed to be the king. He was supposed to be the example of how to live for God, and he wasn't doing it. And so the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was convicting him and saying, Hey, Saul, you're doing it wrong. You're living wrong. And instead of saying, Oh, my gosh, you're right. Let me change my ways. He goes, You know what? I need something to kind of distract me. Like, I need something to cover up this weird feeling inside. Do you think you could hire a musician that could kind of play music in my room to soothe me to sleep? And who do they hire? David. And David comes into his room, and he's playing music to cover up this, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, quick sidebar. If you feel a conviction that you're doing something wrong, don't try to cover it up. That's, that's God saying, hey, stop doing that. And we need, to, we need to stop masking our feelings and trying to cover up when we, when we feel like we're doing something wrong and start listening to that and being obedient to God. But that's besides the point. And David comes into his room and soothes him. And then later on, they're like, hey, who is this guy? <laughs> I've never seen this guy before. He's like, well, he's in your room every night playing music. David is left out, made fun of, and forgotten about. But David still is bold in who he is. Because David understood that his identity wasn't in what people said about him. Your identity is not in what people think of you. Your identity is not in people's opinions of you. Your identity is not in people's perceptions of you. Your identity isn't what people say about you behind your back or what your family hopes for you. Your identity is found only in who the Father says that you are. And who, who God says you are. Your identity is not found in your weaknesses or your worries. Your identity is not found in your fear, fears or your failures. Your identity is found in who the Father says that you are. Who does the Father say that you are? Well, he says that you are loved. He says that you are forgiven. He says that you are chosen. He, he says that you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that you have been adopted into the family of God, that you are sons and daughters of the King. God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says that you are God's masterpiece, and he has created you on purpose for a purpose. Come on, God says that you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He says that there is no height nor depth nor angel or demon that could ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, God looks at you and he, yeah! God looks at you and he sees Jesus and he looks at you and he's, he's proud of you. Now, this isn't saying that, that you can't ever do anything wrong and you are perfect and God loves you. God, God loves you with 
with love that is, is unbelievably good. But he loves you so much that he wants to, to change you and to make you the best version of yourself. And your identity is found in Christ. And David understood that. David understood that his identity and his value, it didn't come from what his family thought of him or, or what, what people said about him. It didn't, it didn't matter what, what people looked at, what people like, you're a weirdo, you're a sicko. It's like, I don't care. I am here to do what God has called me to do. And David understood that his value was in who God said he was. And when we understand that our value and our identity isn't in what people think, but who God says that we are, we are able to be heroes of faith, and we are able to truly be the self that God created us to be. Saul, he he looks at David, he says, hey, if you're going to go out to the battlefield, you've got to wear my armor. Now, Maybe this is Saul's weird way of being like, hey, maybe if you wear my armor, people will think it was me. <laughs> Go out there, buddy. Um, but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's just what I would do. Like, hey, wear my jeans, you know. Go out. Maybe people will think it was me. Um, so he, he puts him in his armor, and David's wearing Saul's armor. He's got his sword on, and he's like, this doesn't feel comfortable. It's like, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to being Saul. I'm used to being David. He's like, I'm not used to wearing the king's armor. I'm used to, to like, using my sling and my little shepherd's bag. And, and because David understood who he was, he didn't need to try to be someone else. I think that we, we often, we, we feel lost and confused with, with who we are, so we, we try to put on someone else's armor, try to put on someone else's personality, try to put on someone else's interests. We, we try to put on someone, like, God doesn't want you in your other person costume. He wants you being yourself. God God created you on purpose for a purpose. And the things that you don't like about yourself, like, oh, I'm just a dirty old shepherd boy. Maybe that's what God wants to use. And if you put on the king's armor and try to act like someone else, you actually are just hindering yourself because God wants to use you surrender to God. God would rather use the weakest person surrendered to him than the strongest person on their own. Paul says, I I boast in my weaknesses because in my weakness, I'm made strong in Christ. The Bible says that God is looking to and fro on the earth to find people that he he can make strong with his strength, not their own. And we need to stop putting on other people's armor and recognize God has made me and I'm going to surrender myself and see what God wants to do with me. I recognize I'm not strong enough. I'm not bold enough. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I, I, my, my little sling and stone is no match to, to this giant's sword. But I believe that God can use me in ways that are unbelievable. My last idea, worship team, you guys could, could come up here, is is this, we stand in the battle from a place of victory. We stand in the battle from a place of victory. I think often when we, uh, when we read this story, you know, we start, we start to think, you know, what's my Goliath? What's my Goliath in my life? You know, maybe, maybe my Goliath, sorry, Aaron, I took your, I took your stool. Um, 
What's my, you know, is it, is it my worry? Is it my fear? Is it my anxiety? Like, like there's this giant in my life. Like my giant is, is, is my depression. My, my, my giant is my insecurities. My, my giant that I'm facing is this sin that I, that I can't overcome. And my giant is this temptation. Or my, my, my giant is, is a family that I grew up in. It's just hard and, and I won't be able to do it. And, and this thing that I'm facing. And, and we're looking and we're, we're trying to figure out what our giant is. And how God can, help, can overcome. And the, the biggest thing that ever stood on the other side of that valley for us was sin and death. The biggest giant that we could ever face is is the giant of sin and death. And and we didn't have to face that giant. This picture is beautiful because it's a picture of Jesus. David walks into into the valley... And he overcomes the giant who is, who is scaring and, and, and making fun of and pestering and threatening the people of God. And, and, and David goes out there and he overcomes it. And Jesus, on the cross, walked into the valley and overcome our biggest enemy. And so every other enemy we face, we stand in the place of victory. Jesus, on the cross, he said, it was finished. That the the work of salvation is done and there is nothing that could get in between me and God because Jesus did everything. There is no, no, no struggle that we could face that gets in between me and God. It's already done. There is, no, there is no anxiety or fear that can make me cower away because I stand in a place of victory in what Jesus has done. We don't need to to worry about overcoming these other difficulties because the biggest thing has already been overcome. And now we can stand like David and and we could say, you know, Jesus, he he beat the biggest enemy. So he could probably conquer this. Like Jesus, he he defeated death itself. He he broke the great divide between people and God. And, And so I can stand there like, I think God can overcome my depression. I think God can overcome the difficult family situation that I face. I think I can stand here and recognize that the biggest enemy of anybody ever has already been completed. And so I can stand confidently and say, God, you can deliver me through this. We are called to be be people of faith. And as we we are walking out our our life with God and we go through the pastures that are a little easier but probably still hard and we go through the valleys that are just times of incredible difficulty, we can stand and say, God is good. God loves me. My identity is in him. He has already won the battle. He has already defeated my greatest enemy. I know that he could defeat these, these puny little worries of mine. I know he can defeat these, these puny little doubt, doubting thoughts. In my, it's like, like I am going to look and say, God, I recognize you're bigger than the giants in my life. 